My name is Linda Nardelli. I'm a spiritual counselor and the author of Mystical Intimacy, a book on embodied mysticism. In this episode, I tease out the, the deeper meaning of longing. It's the art of cultivating an intimate connection with our desires. For Mass India, the group Soul I channel, for them to long is to become mesmerized by the feeling quality of our desires rather than becoming preoccupied with trying to manifest the outcome. The idea is to become so magnetically charged with the frequency of our longing that we enter into a like an intimate relationship, an intimate connection with its highest potential, and, and thus we bring it into form. We are energy beings, and energy is intrinsically magnetic. So by attuning to the inner propulsions of our desires, we amplify the magnetic charge of its manifestation. Abraham, channeled by Esther Hicks, calls this magnetic charge being in the vortex. It's a term for alignment with source energy. Being, being in the vortex means that you're at one with yourself, with divinity. You're at peace with who you really are and in alignment with your desires. Over the years that I've channeled Mass India, it's interesting to me that they've insisted on using this word, longing, to represent this alignment, this magnetic frequency. They love the word longing to them. The word longing holds the vibrational frequency of, hmm, how can I say this, of, of our deepest and soulful yearning. Mass India's intention in utilizing this word, the word longing, has to do with freeing us from misconceptions that we have about, about our desires. It's to help us enjoy, even savor, our yearnings, our wants, and our needs. A number of years ago, before I started to write my book, my book, Mystical Intimacy, I did a series of group channeling events where Mass India spoke at length about longing. At the time, I was confounded by their message because I kept coming across so much adversity and, and resistance to the word longing. For some people, the word, it meant unfulfilled desires. So, so why should they connect with their longing if that's what it represented to them? It, it represented this pining after something. Somehow to long was, it was just considered a bad thing, an unspiritual attachment. Even one time, a participant at one of these groups, he even started an argument with Mass India, insisting that they choose a different word. <gasps> oh, goodness, that was a tense moment. And you know, Mass India, they can be very persistent. So what they did is they invited the man to get close to his desires, to lean into the intensity of the feeling quality of his longing. But the man just couldn't get past his interpretation of what the word meant to him. To him, longing was associated with dissatisfaction, with something that he didn't have, had yet to attain, and would never reach. So from that perspective, cultivating an intimate relationship with one's longing, well, it just seems, well, sort of counterintuitive. If you don't believe you can have what you want and need, why would you agree to get close to your longing or your feelings, for that matter. If, for instance, you long for a deep and meaningful relationship, yet you feel hopeless, perhaps you're so identified with the loss of a previous relationship that you feel unworthy or distrustful, well, then connecting with your yearning for love would seem so crazy, unproductive, and maybe even unsafe. If you've 
lost your belief in love, then to feel your longing for love, well, it, just, it brings up hurt. It's only natural that you would want to avoid the feeling. Except, except that it's by feeling the hurt that the hurt heals and transforms into courage and beauty. It's by feeling the longing we get really close to our, our worthiness for what we long for. We get close to the beauty of our longing itself. We stop making it wrong. And we stop fighting to actualize it. We just come home to the feeling. Masindu would have us feel our longing more and more and more because they are aware of something that we're not. That connecting with our longing invites healing. It makes room for, for the miraculous. Conversely, avoiding, controlling, and overriding our, our longing, our desires, our needs only perpetuates limitations. It narrows down the potential for the fruition of our longing. The whole idea of being in alignment with your desires, your soul desires, the whole idea of being in the vortex is about fostering magic and miracles. This, this inner connection, this being in resonance sustains divine inspiration and, and it opens us to insights and ultimately to the fruition of our longing. It's where things come together beautifully and with synchronicity. Masindia says that longing is not found outside of ourselves, it's within. It's the natural foundation for manifesting the life we want, and it must be felt internally to realize its potential. I remember when, when they first brought this concept of longing to my attention, I struggled with it. I struggled because I felt so alone. Feel your longing for relationship, they would say to me. Cultivate an in-depth connection with your desire. Imagine it, savor it, be moved from within. I yearned for love. I so yearned for love, but it hurt to feel that longing in me. It triggered me. I ended up reliving all my past abandonments and the belief that I wasn't lovable. All I could think of when they asked me to imagine the fruition of my desire was how long it had been since I was in a relationship and what a dead end that had been. I felt so alone. And so I, I just struggled against their guidance and they just kept encouraging me, feel more. Then one day when I was in Mexico with my sister, oh goodness, this is about 20 years ago, we, we hung out with a small group of her friends that she worked with and, and we planned to go out on an outing to see the Yucatan ruins. One of the friends was a married man who I felt an affinity with, well, an attraction really, and it was obvious that the attraction was mutual. As we were getting ready for this day trip, he wasn't sure if his wife was going to join us. And I just wanted him to be on that trip. I wanted her to come too. I just, my attraction to him wasn't about ownership. I just was curious, really curious about it. He wasn't sure if she was going to come along. And it just, it didn't surprise me that he wasn't sure because there just seemed to be a disconnect with them that I had observed what caught my attention is that when she agreed to come along, he was so excited. He was jumping around like a kid. She's coming, she's coming, he announced to me. What a dichotomy to have this kind of obscure attraction, this tension he was giving me, and then his utter joy of his wife coming on this adventure of, of seeing the ruins. 
And I was happy for him. And yeah, I remember being really confused by the dichotomy between his joy for her coming and the discord that I sensed between them as well. And his attention towards me, it just, I liked it, but also I was uncomfortable with it, you know. I felt the contrast between all these elements and I was confounded and intrigued. It's later that same day, though, that I really came to understand and appreciate what these contrasting elements held for me. And by the end of our excursion, we were all driving back in the van as fatigued by the day as the setting sun. I looked up ahead at the seat in front of me, and there they sat, his arm around her, as she lay her head on his shoulder resting. My longing for relationship came flooding in, and I remember feeling my desire so deeply and seeing it in this couple. I said to God, this, this is what I want. I said to the divine, this, oh my God, this is what I want. And in that moment, I was so grateful for the attraction that I felt towards this man, for the opportunity to feel my deep yearning to be cherished the way that he cherished his wife. And the love between them was palpable. And, and my, my sense is that through him, in that moment, his, his spirit spoke to me through the attention he had given me and through the attention he was giving his wife. He taught me that I mattered. He taught me that she mattered that love matters. All I had to do was pay attention and let that in, see my worth, and cherish my longing. And in that moment, I celebrated this beautiful couple. I didn't feel less, and I didn't think, oh, they have that and I don't. I felt utterly blessed. This is what Mass India meant. Feel your longing. Feel it more. When we cultivate this rich and intimate connection with our longing, we let situations like this unfold and inform us and guide us. We slow down and we connect with life and we connect with our true selves. Now that's what's important, to connect back with ourselves, with the rich treasure trove that the longing is pointing to, that the fruition of our longing exists already here and now, and oh, what a blessing when we connect. It's by getting in touch with the feeling quality of desire, with the rich, rich inner knowing of our longing that we see struggling to achieve it. We stop comparing ourselves with others and we stop making ourselves wrong. By no longer fighting with life, we become open to receiving. For me, that led to falling in love with my desire for relationship and preparing myself for its manifestation. Mass India says that we wouldn't yearn for anything. We just wouldn't yearn for something if it could not come true. The depths of our longing wouldn't even occur to us if they couldn't be realized. The key to manifesting our desires, the key to bringing them into fruition, is to take the pining out of the wanting. It's about opening our receiving channel and trusting in life. I think it's important to add here that longing is born of our soul and what is naturally wanting to emerge in our life. It's not necessarily what we think we want. I know so many people who plan out their lives, their career, parenthood, travel, retirement, they're all on a strategic timeline. But rarely does life work out that way. And unfortunately, when these plans, when they don't pan out as expected, a lot of people suffer. I know a couple who, after numerous failed pregnancy attempts, they took a big step 
towards their dream and they adopted a boy. Sadly, they struggled to connect with him. They were so disappointed with not being able to, to conceive their own biological child that they unconsciously rejected their adopted child. Even when Mass India told them that the boy was the incarnation of the spirit of their first conceived and unborn child, they still struggled against their perception of having failed. Despite all the, the synchronicities that, that brought this miracle child into their life, they refused to fully welcome him. But, but why? Because he wasn't what they thought they wanted, what they expected. He wasn't from them, like them, a picture of them. He was different, and he was challenged. And of course, of course he was challenged. He was triggered by their rejection. If they could have connected to their longing, if they could have allowed this innocent being to touch their hearts, they would have found ease together. We can become so attached to our concept of fulfillment and of success. We can become so attached to our expectations and to what we think we want and what we think we deserve that we miss out on life's gifts. I know a mother who rejected a relationship with her daughter because her daughter chose to live with her father when she was a teenager. The mother had such a deep yearning for family, yet created separation due, due to jealousy. What the mother didn't realize is that she was reliving her past, and she was projecting that onto her daughter. She had been neglected as a child and was reliving that abandonment, which she couldn't make up for. The daughter couldn't be held responsible for the mother's past drama. Had the mother been, been able to cultivate an intimate relationship with her longing for family, she would have forgiven her own mother, and she would have made peace with the past. She would have been able to cultivate acceptance and tenderness towards her daughter. Instead, she made her daughter wrong and alienated herself even more. Manifesting our desires is about resting in the beauty and the intensity of our longing and the expansiveness of what is truly wanting to unfold in our life. But how can we embody expansive possibilities when we are programmed to fill each moment of our lives with familiar and limiting perceptions of reality? How can we embody the fruition of our longing when our body and mind is so full of misconceptions and survival mechanisms? Who are we when we're not identified with our expectations? Who are we when we're not identified with the pressure to conform or measure up to some idolized version of who we think we're supposed to be? We're free. That's who we are. We're free. Ultimately, we're free to rewrite our story, and that takes courage, because, because we don't really know what it is that we're rewriting, that we're creating. Our longing beckons us and moves us to the edge of the unknown to free us and to life's potential. It's a mystery. Massindi acknowledges that while the connection with our longing, it's just so fulfilling, they also recognize that it's challenging because our longing is an expression of our soul that refuses to conform to the conventions of society. To feel into our longing, it opens us to expanded reality beyond the familiar, beyond the known, which naturally brings up fears and doubts and the tendency to slide back into old frameworks because our survival instincts, they just seek to protect us from the unknown. In order to fulfill our desires, 
We need to trust where we're going without a map. We need to accept the maplessness of the wisdom of our soul, a source that is destined to fulfill our desires. Mass India says that when we allow ourselves to not know, the unknowable mystery becomes our guide. Our greatest joy depends on surrender, on relinquishing resistance. Only then do we receive guidance because our hearts are open. We're welcoming it then. There's a quote in this chapter that I loved rereading just as I was preparing for the podcast. And Mass India says, Your greatest joy lies in the willingness to stop being small, stop being right or wrong, and to finally just be honest. In that way, life has a way of of showing you that you're not alone, your needs are not invalid, and your desires are beautiful. As I prepared for this podcast, I also turn inwards to my own longing, to what moved me to create the podcast a calling, a sense of purpose, a desire to share my book, Mystical Intimacy, and explore further what it means to open the door to our soul connection. I read through chapter four again, and interestingly to me, it felt as though I was reading it for the first time. You know, despite the editing and rewriting that took place in the creation of the book, and despite how intimate I am with the subject matter, it still feels so fresh. It's easy to assume that authors just write about what they already know, but I don't think it works that way. There is an organic process that occurs when the words write themselves and inform the writer. It's a mystery. It's actually a great metaphor for describing what longing feels like or what developing an intimate relationship with longing feels like. Writing is a process of allowing and of being surprised, trusting the unknown and bringing the rich inner world of one's senses to the surface. The poem that begins this chapter is a great example of that process. In essence, The poem wrote itself. It came all at once, fully formed and complete. The words revealed a deeper knowing from within me and gave me me a sense of completion that I needed. Far in the distant horizon, a dark silhouette gazes across the great expanse, seeing nothing but you. An ocean of light blinds him and he looks away. When he looks back, you are gone. He travels far and wide over years and valleys in search of you. When he reaches the horizon where you had once stood, he looks back across the ocean, still, still looking for you. He sees in the distance a figure looking back. He sees himself, a dark shape in the past blinded by light. He sees a man searching for love. Now, now he recognizes you so still, so bright, that it blinds him until he closes his eyes. The distance disappears, and he finds you. This poem came to me as a reassuring message that what I sought for on my spiritual path, what I yearned for, could be found within me, and that no matter how far and wide I searched, I was within reach. In the distant horizon, a dark silhouette gazes back, seeing nothing but you. He travels in search of you, and when he reaches the horizon where you once stood, he finds himself. Seeking for spiritual truth takes us on so many, many adventures and ultimately winds back to where we started. No matter how much we try to escape our discomforts, our pain, our humanness, seeking always returns us back home to us, to our need for love 
to our need for belonging. Far on the distant horizon, a dark silhouette gazes across the great expanse, seeing nothing but you. An ocean of light blinds him and he looks away. When he looks back, you're gone. He travels far and wide over years and valleys in search of you. When he reaches the horizon where you had once stood, he looks back across the ocean, still, still looking for you. He sees into the distance a figure looking back. He sees himself, a dark shape in the path blinded by light. He sees a man searching for love. Now he recognizes you, still so bright that it blinds him till he closes his eyes. The distance disappears and he finds himself. This poem is a prayer, a way to honor the divine within. May you journey back home to you and fall in love with you and honor your divinity. May you journey back home to you and fall in love with you and honor your divinity. The Body Soul Podcast is brought to you by Linda Nardelli. You can find out more about her book, Mystical Intimacy, on her website, lindanardelli.com, and on Amazon. The podcast is her deepening exploration of the book's messages and the teachings of Masindia. Music for this episode is from the Purple Planet Collection, written and performed by Chris Martin and Jeff Harvey, and the podcast editing by Igor Masharyakov.